Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka. Welcome to episode 118 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I don't know anyone, and I've met a lot of people who teach organization of all different stripes for the ADHD brain, and I don't know anyone that is as brilliant as my next guest. Francesca Rizzo is a multimedia artist expressing powerful, provocative ideas in funny human ways. Her work is prolific. The multiple media she has distinguished herself in range from the fine arts and interior design to her work as an award-winning actor, writer, producer, and director in theater, film, television, and digital media. As a college dropout, Francesca left New Jersey and struck out on her own at 19, mining her creative talents for skills she could use to pay the rent in New York City. Along the way, she carved out a career as a children's book illustrator, a professional actor, co-founder of a downtown theater company, and eventually as a filmmaker and CEO of Movie Baby Productions, a Tribeca-based media company creating innovative videos, independent films, and TV promotional campaigns. Does that sound ADHD or what? Anyway, when she lost Movie Baby and her Manhattan apartment after 9-11, she landed back in Jersey and went back to the basics, earning her degree in media arts as well as the SUNY Chancellor's Award for Student Excellence. While making her mark in the fine arts and in interior design, she penned and performed three theatrical productions, curated the Cinema Femina film series, and created Believe Women, a rape activist initiative that championed the Cosby survivors along their journey to justice. I know Francesca Rizzo as Franny. She is one of the founding members of our Facebook group, ADHD for Smartass Women. She is so brilliant, so clever, and I regularly introduce her as I said at the beginning, as the most creative person that I know. You know, I have talked about her in my podcast and actually have had women request to join ADHD for Smartass Women, the Facebook group, just because they want to meet Fran. So 
Fran has joined us once before, but she's that good that I had to have her on again. So let me reintroduce you to Francesca Joy Rizzo, who is going to talk to us today about downsizing and setting up an organized home for ADHD living. Welcome, Franny. Hello there, young lady. Hardly young, but thank you. So we are going to talk about downsizing and organizing with ADHD. So can you tell us, so what were you downsizing from and what were you downsizing to? Does that make sense? What were you downsizing from? Yeah, it does. Can you tell us the story? Yeah. During my time from New York to New Jersey, I had moved into a two-family house and so I had two floors in that house. And eventually I added a third floor, which was the finished basement, which I made into an art studio and a design studio. But I really felt out of place in New Jersey all this time, 19 years of being out of place. Wow. And I kept wanting to move back to New York and it was just getting more and more expensive and, and ridiculous. And then the pandemic came. And it coincided with my lease being up and my landlord selling my building and my new apartment rent was going to be as much as it would be in New York. So that was it. It forced me into doing what I always wanted to do, which is move back to the city. So I found an apartment in an area I really liked because it was a block from Central Park and way uptown on 106th Street, which is now called Manhattan Valley. And it's near friends of mine. But it was, you know, they lied. I think they said it was like 600 square feet. I think that's like including, you know, the hall and the outside or something because (laughs) it does not feel like that in here. It is teeny, 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 tiny. So you went from about how many acres was the New Jersey home? Well, I mean, not not acres, I'm sorry, square feet. It it was a lot of acreage. (laughs) (laughs) I would say each floor was about a thousand square feet. So I had 3,000 square feet. Okay. So you yeah. lost about two, th- at least two thirds of living space. Way more. Oh, Because way more? this place is probably about 400 oh. square feet, 450 maybe. But the reason I chose it is because it had a separate office. Like it's technically a two bedroom, which makes it sound luxurious, you know, <laughs> but I have to explain that these rooms are like eight by 10. Like they're the size of an eight by 10 carpet. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's crazy. But aside from the fact that, you know, I could make one of the rooms, which is actually smaller, it's like seven by nine or something is the office. But it's very, very tall ceilings. It was entirely renovated, really clean, all recessed lighting, like a lot of pluses, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, I've been wanting to downsize for the longest time because I just feel ruled by all the crap. I've been calling them the little shits. And <laughs> I'm going to be nicer now and start to call them little bits. But I really hate lots of little stuff that just gathers everywhere mm-hmm. and creates mm-hmm. clutter. And you have to understand, like these three floors, like the basement was definitely an art and design studio, but I was living in the attic. And then the main floor, which had three bedrooms, I was renting out as an Airbnb host. So I had outfitted three entire bedrooms and a living room there that I didn't even use. You know, it was for my guests. So it wasn't that I absolutely needed all those things for myself. It was that it was part of this business. But when 
the pandemic came along, I just was like, I can't do this anymore. You know, I, I feel comfortable. So that was the end of that. So I had basically four bedrooms to, you know, sort through to move into one eight by 10 bedroom. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny to me because it's so ridiculously small, but. And it's also I, probably funny because it's over and done with. Yes. <laughs> yes. It wasn't funny two weeks ago. And you have to understand, I come from a family, my mother, when we moved and we moved maybe four or five times in my childhood, my mother was the type where day two, the paintings were up. You know, we did not live in boxes. I mean, everything was planned out when we moved in. Zoop, zap, zip, zap. You know, it was done. And I'm like that. My sister was like that. My brother is like that. We we must get our space set up immediately. But this place was so small that I literally had to leave the apartment to open a box. <laughs> I had to take the box out of my apartment to open it. That's how Were you small. doing this in the hall? Yes. In front of people. I mean, I didn't know what else to do. I couldn't. I was tripping over things. It was horrible. And and part of it was because, and this all has to do with what we're going to talk about, because I knew how important where I put stuff was going to be, because it was going to be my systems. And I need systems to function. That's the only reason I've been prolific in my entire life. If I did not latch onto this idea that I had to create, you know, my world around me, I would just not have done anything because I would get so confused so quickly that I just would, you know, zone out. So this was like, had to happen. And so moving into this place where space was so, so important, I knew how important it was for me to not just throw things in a closet. Mm -hmm. It had to be thought through. That's what was taking so much longer. And I I would like cry myself to sleep. That's how bad it was. It was awful. But getting back to the old place, once I found this place and I was like, wow, it's really small. And a lot of it, you know, I think for all of us, the more I talk to other ADHD gals, um, and I guess guys, I don't talk to them that much. Our surroundings are very important. And even to the point that I was near the park, there were three apartments I could have had on the total other side of town that were beautiful and lovely and bigger and, you know, just as nice and same price, everything. But they were in really icky neighborhoods, you know, where it was not that they were bad neighborhoods. They were like business neighborhoods, you know, where there was no greenery. There was no cute stuff to look at. You know, I yeah. need, you know, I need to have, you know, a, a lot of dopamine. So that's part of the reason why I need to be in New York is I get a lot of dopamine just walking down the street. Whereas when I'm in New Jersey driving in a car, uh, you know, not really. So I chose this place and I initially said I have to downsize by about 90%. But when push came to shove by the end of it, it was 98%, I would say. And I'm still downsizing. Wow. I, so I'm you still, had to get rid of 98% of what of you own. all my belongings. Yes. Of everything that I've accumulated over the years. Do you have a storage space? or I you- ended up getting a storage space here. The smallest one you could get, four by four by four. Okay. And I only put in there archive art and mm-hmm. business stuff. Mm-hmm. 
uh, every, you know, I didn't want that to become just a catch-all place. You know, it's stuff right. that I probably won't need, but I might need. I might need for proof business-wise, you know, like files and stuff or um, actual pieces of art. You know, I have whole paintings selections, collections that I've shown and stuff. So they're all there. And it's literally, I think things are really very lucky for me lately. It's literally around the corner. Like where my apartment is on my street, it's the same thing on the other one street over. And so that's where my storage space is. So that's fabulous. But it's so interesting that you just said that, that things are very lucky for you lately. Yeah. Don't you think a big part of it is what you just shared that New York is this giant dopamine festival to you? <laughs> and so you you made that move and I'm assuming you wake up every morning. Are you so much happier there? I can't tell you. I, I don't need therapy anymore. Oh, I love I it. I really don't need it. I don't find a shred of depression. There was a lot of anxiety during the move and during, you know, here, but it was all understandable and I knew it was situational, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't have that underlying thing of like life sucks and I'm, I have to keep, find a reason to keep going on, you know? And Gosh, it's funny so- because years ago I watched the, you know, those master um, class things and it was Diane Sawyer. Mm. And yes. she said her father gave her this very good piece of advice when she was first starting out because she was thinking of coming to New York. But, you know, it was a big move. I don't know she's from somewhere in the Midwest or something. And he said, like, one of the first steps to success is being where you need to be physically. You have to put yourself in the place where it happens. You know, you got to be in the room where it happens. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about New York for me is that it really is where I needed to be. I feel myself here, but I do think now that I know a lot more about ADHD, it's because the dopamine is yeah. it's plentiful here for me. Yeah. And you're, yeah. yeah, you're in the right environment. And that's so key for our brains. I, it's so important. It's like the outside environment. It was right for me. I chose this particular apartment mainly because it was a block from Central Park. And I knew that there was nature because even though I did not like living in the suburbs, I actually do like rural life, you know, and I mm-hmm. like, you know, nature, like being in nature. And, and the fact that a block away. It's, it's, it's hilarious to me. I mean, I did a post the other day about it where I walked two minutes into the park. And then for the first time I saw like a little path, like a little, not a uh, sidewalk, but just like a path into the woods. Mm-hmm. I thought, I wonder where that goes. I went in and I'm suddenly in the middle of like the woods, like, <laughs> two minutes from my apartment in New York. I just find it amazing that there could be such different topography. Is that what that is? Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. You in the city, see. no less, right? Yeah, in the middle of the city, and it was up. It, it kind of went up a little bit, so you didn't even see really any of the buildings. Nothing. I felt like I was like could have been, uh, you know, in Vermont. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it was amazing. I want women to hear this though that you literally got rid of ninety eight percent of your shit, right? Yep. <laughs> and came into New York City, where you just knew that would be the right environment. And you're so much happier. It's literally changed my life. 
And and it's not that I just knew it by chance. I did live here for 25 years right. before 9-11. And I loved it. But then, you know, other things were going on professionally that were getting me down. And and then my I, I was forced to move because my mm-hmm. landlord lied and said he was moving into my apartment. So I never would have chosen to move out of the mm-hmm. city. But I financially had to at that point because I was an actor. Uh, at that point, I was really making most of my living as an actor. I was one of the top voiceover actors in the city and we had just gone through a six month strike. And so I wasn't allowed to work for six months. And so my income shot down mm-hmm. and it was just frightening, you know? So that was part of the whole move out. So it all happened like not in a great way. You know, it wasn't like, Oh, I can't wait to move back to New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. I know it well. And I moved to a, a nice enough town. It wasn't a horrible town. And I had family around and things like that. But just I hated even going outside. Uh, People would go, well, just go for a walk in the park. And I thought, you know, I like that park, but I, I don't like it here. You know, yeah. <laughs> I can't describe it. I just, I, you know, they go, well, just take a walk. Yeah, but then I have to look at where I live and I don't want to look at this stuff. <laughs> I can so relate to all of this. You know, it's just houses. Well, we have these specificities, right? There are certain things that we know that we need to be successful, but society can kind of talk us out of that with things like, oh, well, you can have so much more stuff. You can have so much more space, yeah. right? Oh, everybody thought I was nuts. Why, why do you want to move to here? It's so loud and noisy. And I said, that's, you know, a lot of people that don't live in New York think you live in Times Square. <laughs> no, no one lives in Times Square. <laughs> That's where you go and get robbed. But (laughs) we know not to go there. Because you're a tourist. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they really do. I had guests that stayed with me and they'd go back and forth to New York. And I kept saying, what have you seen today? They were like, Times Square. Like every single time. I said, you know, there's really cool other parts of the city. Really? It's like our Fisherman's Wharf. <laughs> yeah. I was like, did you go to the village? What? What's the village? Oh, my God. I was like, why? Are you, what are you doing? Walking up and down 42nd Street? Like, what are you doing? So, anyway, to me, just going out like here, you know, to go around the corner to get like something to eat is a treat. You know, there's 9 million things to look at. Yeah. And when I was in New Jersey, I swear to God, what I would do, I had insomnia, horrible insomnia. And um, Do you have that anymore, Fran? I can't tell because I'm still working till all hours. Uh, you know, yeah. stuff. It wasn't, it's not like I can't sleep. It's just I'm doing so much stuff, you know, to try mm-hmm. to get everything set up. Yeah. But, I mean, there have been some days where I woke up at like 5 in the morning. And just was like, what am I doing up at this time? I'm going <laughs> outside. And I go, I could just do that. And I just like threw on my jeans, went outside and walked around. I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. It's like a whole different me, you know? Yeah. I would like to get back into that because I did like getting up earlier. But lately i just been just dealing with a lot of the administrative stuff, you know, with a, that yeah. comes with a move and that stuff, you know, is just takes me 12 times longer than the average Joe, you know, to pay a bill and stuff. Before the move, it was fine because I had everything automated. 
you know, and it was beautiful. I was like, for the first time in my life, I was like not bogged down by all that. But I have all new accounts now and I'm closing all the old accounts and they all have screwed things up. So I have to be on the phone for hours, you know, trying to straighten out the things that they've screwed up. So that's what's been keeping me up late. But I'd like to get, you know, I, I actually have my Alexa, which, oop, I don't want to say her too loud. No, you just set mine off. She's I thinking. Did, I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have her, the lady that lives in my phone, that lives in the little dot. Um, I have her reminding me, like, starting at 11. And I've tried a new tack this time. Sometimes I have her play <laughs> bad cop. I make her swear and do stuff. (laughs) Of course you do, Fran. You can make her swear. You just have to spell it wrong. (laughs) So she sounds like she's either British or Spanish. She's like, you know, don't give me that sheet. Usually that's so key, though. It makes you laugh, right? I know. Well, that's, partially, that's why I did it, was yeah. to make you laugh. But then after a while, I was like, oh, shut up. <laughs> it's like really bothering me. So now I have a new tack where she goes, hi. You might want to think about maybe having a cup of tea, like chamomile, and, you know, thinking about getting ready to go mm. to bed, Maybe. You know, she <laughs> it more up to me because I was getting very confrontational with her <laughs> before. So now I, I try to make it more like she's just uh, suggesting. She's <laughs> suggesting. Yeah. Oh my God. So funny. So, okay. Yes. So talk to us about some of the things that you learned in this move with all this downsizing, this, you know, extreme downsizing. This is the biggest thing I learned. You know, we've all know about Marie Kondo and the Kanmari method. And, you know, she's about, does it spark joy and all that? And, you know, I mean, for some people that's a little fruity, you know, (laughs) I don't know what word I'm talking about, but, you know, know, spark joy, like not everybody uses those terms, but I can really relate to the word, do I love it? Mm-hmm. Do I absolutely love this thing? And so that's what I had to start looking at. It was a combination because I was moving to such a small space. I had to be love and function. It had to be form and function and heart, you know, all at the same time. So it had to fit the space. It had to be able to do at least, it can't just be cute. That's number mm-hmm. one. Can't mm-hmm. just be nice looking. It's got to have one function or at least or two would be even better. But it's also for me, because I'm a designer and an artist, and I think for a lot of people, even if they're not, visual is really important. And um, it's partially because I get very confused if things are jumbled and too many colors that aren't in the right family together, you know, that can be very confusing for me. So I'm very into, as a designer, and uh, just knowing the way my brain works, uh, into color coordinating rooms. Like I always have to figure out my color scheme so that everything I buy fits into that. So I'm not like, my mind isn't having to process 9 million different colors. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had a whole color scheme for the entire apartment and each room had its own like 
variation based on stuff I already had because I love that stuff. So I downsized my bed. I happened to have a full-size bed that was there for one of the guest rooms that was small. And my bedroom here was going to be very small. And I thought, I don't need that queen size bed. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> I'm <laughs> years old. There's not like a line of guys coming in and out, you know. <laughs> you me. never know, Fran. And I don't even have my little dog anymore. So it's like just me and the bed. I never use the one side anyway. So let's go to the downsize. And, um, you know, and all, all your sheets and all that could still fit it, you know. So that was like number one. But one of the surprising things was I had always imagined having these um, IKEA uh, uh, modular chairs that kind of push together to become sofas. They're the Soderham. I love these. And to me, this. In, wait, wait, wait. In, Say that again. They are chairs that push together to become a sofa? Yeah, they're like modular. They're like very, very low, chic looking chairs and you can cover them with different kind of, you know, different covers and stuff. But if you put them together, they, they clamp together and then that's just the love seat. You put three of them together. It's a sofa, you know, and you can, and what is it called? Soderham is the name of the, uh, huh. I, kn- I don't the, know that. Uh, the line and it's a nice okay. product. They've had them for years. They're beautiful. I love okay. them. I had always had two of them and an ottoman that's the same size as that in the middle. And I was always, that was going to be what my apartment in New York was. So I even got a second ottoman because if you put four of them together, they made like a queen size bed, which would be great for when my niece comes to visit and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I started to really, I you know, measuring was, was key. I, I measured that new apartment within an inch of its life. And I kind of realized that if I put that in the living room, that would take up the entire living room would be those four, those two chairs and the two ottomans. That's how small it was. It took me a really a while to wrap my brain around it. But I was like, I can't do that. I also wanted to be able to have a dining room. And oddly enough, I had this beautiful table I had gotten at a, at a thrift store that was on wheels that both sides of it flipped down. So it becomes like a sideboard. Yeah. But you could wheel it out very easily and flip the two sides up and it's a dining room table for six. And I knew I wanted that in there. And so I just decided, all right, these got to go. They got to go. And I figured out what I did want was just one of those click kind of sofas that that is kind of sleek looking, but clicks down and becomes a bed because, you know, I want to be able to have guests. So Facebook Marketplace is phenomenal. I have to say, I sold a ton of stuff on it, and I bought a ton of stuff on it. And pretty much everybody, if you're putting it on Facebook Marketplace, you just want to get it the hell out of your house. (laughs) You get things so cheap. I sold things so cheap, but I didn't care. It was like, please, I'll pay you to come get it. Right. Just right. get it out because I got to get out of here, you know. So it's a lot of people who are moving or have new furniture coming in, and this furniture's got to go. So I got this sofa that that was I don't know it was about a three hundred dollars sofa for forty dollars, and it's like white leather. I don't even know if it's real leather. It looks like real leather. It's beautiful, in, in perfect condition, um, and it you know, took up one eighth of the space of these other things. So I just realized I had to go small, you know, with it. I just, everything had to be on wheels or easily movable. I had 
two media cabinets that were real low to the ground. And I always imagined them lining the walls, you know, and nope, that wasn't going to happen. But I thought, hmm, I could put one on top of the other mm. and then put the TV on top of that. And I looked it up and that was actually the perfect height for a TV the size I have. So I was like, all right. So it was a lot of being willing to let go of things you always wanted or always imagined in place of the new thing. And to me, the new thing was I did not want this apartment to feel cramped and it's small to begin with. So that had to take precedence, you know, because that was more important to my brain was to not feel crammed in, Mm -hmm. you know, than other things. And so when push came to shove, it would always be, well, is this going to make me feel cramped in, you know, as much as I love it? And boom, it has to go. And so I can't tell you. Now, there was these two huge drawers things that, that were my mom's and they were, they're gorgeous and they were really, really good, you know, wood and the old style. And I just couldn't bear the idea of selling them or throwing them out. I threw out a lot of stuff just to get out of there. But luckily my cousin came and took them mm-hmm. and she has a house that she's moving in a big house. So she took them. I also called other, I have a cousin who's an artist and I said, please come over. I have a lot of art supplies and art related things, easels, all sorts of stuff I'd like to give you because I wanted to keep it in the family. So she came over and did that. I got rid of tons and tons of art supplies that were more like for kids you know, mm-hmm. little kind of markers and things like that. That's not really professional. I mean, I gathered so much of that. I put them all in baggies and I uh, donated them to a homeless shelter for the kids there. Mm-hmm. So I tried to really think about where the stuff was going. That helped me a lot, you know, to get rid of stuff in the beginning. Mm-hmm. the end, I was just, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't care at that point, but Luckily, in the beginning, I had my head, you know, screwed on and I was able to do that. I gave away so much stuff and it just kept getting easier and easier because I was very, very particular before the entire process. I took a corner of the, um, the, my attic and I just put there the things I absolutely loved. Like I just separated them from everything else. And some of it was furniture. Some of it was memorabilia or little tchotchkes, you know, things that had to do with family or just visually, you know, was so lovely to me or whatever. It didn't matter why, but it just had to be something that I absolutely loved. And this started to become easier and easier the more I did it. And what I have to say, which I find to be amazing is – now that I've got things set up and everything in its place. And yeah, you know, there could be a lot more room around stuff and all that, but it's really cute. Very, very cute the way I have this place set up. But the interesting thing is when I sit like in my bed and I look around my bedroom or when I sit in the living room and I look around, every single thing my eye rests on, I love. Ah. Which is a very different feeling for me. Because I had so much stuff and I realized that, that there's a difference. This is the thing I'm learning, that there's like a difference in 
what is the kinds of stuff that you are looking at. It's like she, you know, Kanmari is like, you it must spark joy. But then there's not really other levels. <laughs> it either sparks joy or it doesn't. So I here's my list. I came up with five. So I love it. Right. That's got to, that's the top. So it means I love just looking at this. Mm. It makes me smile. It's so efficient. It's excellent design. Makes my life so easy. And I'm buying backups of this thing. That's how much I love it. Right. There, that's love. Then there's like. There's things I like. I like it. I don't love it, but I like it enough. You know, it's functional. It could be better, but I like it. Then there's okay. Uh, eh, it does its job, I guess. <laughs> that item. <laughs> then there's annoys me. There's something about this thing that has always bugged me. I don't know what it is, but it bugs me a little bit. It annoys me, this thing. And then the bottom is, I hate this thing. (laughs) It's ugly. It doesn't work properly. Has a bad memory attached. You Mm -hmm. know, all sorts of reasons, but I I hate it. You know, and I can't get rid of the damn thing, you know. That's what I realized. Every item, if I looked at it, fell into one of those categories. Now, the big surprise for me was as started to, because I got rid of, I downsized once I moved in. Mm. I kept downsizing and I'm still going to keep downsizing because I like the idea of space. And I like this feeling that I'm having now with less stuff. Mm. And what I realized was I don't even want to keep the likes. Yeah. Why keep something I like when I could have something I love? And if it's, you know, functional, like somebody, I was telling this to somebody, and they go, well, what if it's your faucet <laughs> you know, or something, you know, <laughs> functional, you know, it's like, well, you know, I mean, yeah, but maybe someday you'll get it, you'll find a much better faucet, you know? Yeah. I mean, I love certain items just because they they perform their function beautifully. You know, it's not that I, I want to, you know, marry it, but I love it because of that. I really hate bad design, you know, where something is supposed to do something and it doesn't really do it that well. That drives me crazy. It's like, you know, you buy this thing and and it's one job that it's supposed to do. It doesn't do well. I'm like, didn't somebody test this <laughs> like the, when they were making it? I mean, how did this get made? You know, I, that, that always amazes me. I sadly, what I always think what comes to mind is I go, this, the person who invented this gets health insurance? <laughs> that bothers me. Like that somebody actually has a job and gets health insurance and that their only job is to make this thing and they made it wrong. Oh. <laughs> really bothers me. So did you do this whole, I have to love it. It has to be all three things, form, function, and heart. Did you do that with your wardrobe too? Or was it just yeah. with- the wardrobe your- was really easy. It's ah. funny. I had the, I hired this lo- local gal to come help me with a lot of this stuff. And so I said, you got to help me with the wardrobe because, you know, that's always a hard thing to do. And we just had a bunch of garbage bags ready. And we went through that in an hour and a half. She said, I've never seen anybody throw out so much stuff. 
but I was just like ready. And part of it was I had done a little research on downsizing and watch videos. And, and, you know, I'm an older, so it was more downsizing for an older person rather than with kids and family and all that. So one of the things that stuck to me is uh, somebody said, if you have three black blouses, pick the one you like the best mm. and get rid of the other two. And that was what realized I had been doing. That's why my wardrobe was so big, is that I would buy something and I would love it. And then unlike a product, you know, that I can get in a store and just go buy backups, mm. you can't always buy that thing again. You know, you don't even know where, you know, it's not being made or whatever. So I would try to buy backups of it that were like it, but they never were as good as that one but I would have them all in my wardrobe. So I'd have like eight blouses that were all supposed to do the same thing. They were all black. And then you forget about your favorite one, right? Because you're always reaching for the other. I feel bad all the time for the other ones. You know, I'm like looking through them and stuff and trying to put them on. I go, eh, I don't love this that much, you know. But I put it back in the closet, you know. So this time I just went through and did that rule and it was really helpful. I still have a hundred black things because that's all I wear. And so well, you're in New York, so yes. hey. Well, now now I make sense. Back there, yeah. I, mean, I thought I, I, you know, was at a funeral, but <laughs> here I, I just look chic or normal. <laughs> and that's something I'm still working on because it's really hard. You can't use the KonMari method of folding when you everything you own is black because you don't know what it is. It's just a bunch of folded black things. And you have to keep opening them all the way up to see, is this short sleeve, long sleeve? Is this, <laughs> is this pants? Is this a top? You know, you don't even know. So, I, Are you I, finding that it's so much easier to get dressed now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have like, I guess what you would consider maybe a double closet, a small double closet that has basically everything I, I wear winter and summer. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I don't, and I'm wearing the same stuff that I always wore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, I did not get rid of anything that I found I used or wore a lot. Yeah. So again, I'm sure that generates positive emotion, right? Every time you dress. I was preparing for this for years. You know, I would sit in my 3,000 square feet and go, I got to get rid of this crap. I got to get rid of this crap. There's got to be a reason. I got to be forced to do it. But I really hate having so much stuff to look after. You know, Mm. it takes up all my time. It confuses me. And I know in my heart that I'm not using it all. Or I'm using it just because I have it. You know, and it's just creating more clutter. And, you know... It's got to go, but I I needed to have like something that forced me into it. And that's the thing that I'm trying to racking my brain and to figure out how somebody who's not moving needs to find this impetus because I'm telling you on the other side of it, your life will be so much easier. Well, you're kind of motivating me. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the thing. I'm going to be working with my friend Annette. She helped me a lot. Uh, you know, I needed to have a, a person to help me because most of my storage, my ceilings are super tall. I, I don't even know how tall they are, like 20 feet tall. They're really tall. Wow. And so all my extra storage is above the closet. There's like another closet above the closet that's like for, you know, storage. 
Mm-hmm. So I had to buy two ladders that I that I bought, very attractive ladders. I'm going to have to post them on my my group my page because I think they're beautiful because they had to show, you know, they have to be out. So I didn't want ugly ladders, you know, mm-hmm. but I need to use ladders all the time. And so I wanted somebody here so I could hand things down to them so I didn't fall and, you know, oh. hurt myself. So um, it's been very important to have like that one person that could come over and be my assistant. So now mm-hmm. it's her turn um, and her place. She got really balled up where she had a flood in her um apartment and they they boxed her up she was not around at the time and mm-hmm. so the the landlord they came in and just boxed everything up and threw everything in different boxes Ugh. and then brought it back in and she's you know adhd as well and so this has just been the bane of her existence so i said i'm gonna come and help you now i'll do this for you you know i've already done one room for her and it was like an amazing difference but what i keep telling her is that you know Start going through stuff and sorting just the things you absolutely love out. See if you can do that. It's That's really important. But a really good tip that was given to me by a wonderful organizer named Sunny Schlenger, who was an old friend of mine, and we did some business together. She said, imagine your space is empty. Like the room is entirely empty. If you had all the money in the world how would you outfit it now? How would you decorate, you know, set it up and allow yourself to blue sky it, like to write it all out or draw if you can, you know, if you're inclined, because there's always ways to make things happen, even without a lot of money. But if you're just feeling bogged down by what is already there, your mind is not going to think that way. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and to me, it's easier emotionally to move towards creating something like a beautiful living room or a beautiful bedroom or whatever than it is getting rid of stuff and lose loss. You know, the the idea of loss, Mm -hmm. like it's gain, not loss. So it's a mind shift. Yeah. It's like if you're. If you can think of it as empty and how now what would I put in it of what I have? And maybe I would get some other things that I don't have, you know, that now appeal to me. That to me, I think is the trick because yes, I made the decision to move, but the real impetus was I'm creating a new space out of what I had in the old space. And, you know, that allowed me to get rid of all the flotsam and jetsam that I no longer needed to carry around with me. (laughs) (laughs) I got rid of boxes and boxes and bins of old journals. Wow. That must have been hard though, Fran. Initially it was because, you know, I'm a writer as well. And I always said, well, someday I'll write my autobiography and I might need that to go over it. And then I thought one day I had a couple of years ago, I, I happened upon an old journal. I started reading it and I went, Jesus Christ, it's the same crap day after day. <laughs> it's time to write the same thing over and over of what annoys me and what I hate about my life. Oh, boys and all this stuff. 
awful. And I thought, and I stopped journaling as a result of that. Like I saw that and I went, oh, there's no point in this because I just write the same crap. So when I thought about all these bins and boxes, it was big tubs of, of old journals because I'm old, you know, and I did this for a long time. And I thought, I don't even want to revisit it. <laughs> I don't even want to know. I don't even want to read all that crap anymore. And I'm bringing it into my new space. Yeah. You know, and it's like, 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 uh, what is the thing around your neck, you know? It's just like to bring me down. It's like, I don't even think I need to bring that. So that became another aspect was like, does this have memories? Does this thing have like juju that is bad that I yeah. don't want to bring into the new space? You know, for whatever reason, could have been somebody gave it to you and then, you know, the, the, the relationship soured or whatever. And every time you look at it, there's that ugh, little sour. Totally feeling you know it's like eh, as wonderful as it could be maybe somebody else would really enjoy it and not have that feeling about it you know yeah that so makes i got so rid of it sense. all i was like you know gonna say i was like no no just get rid of it just i tossed it in a big bin of stuff to be you know incinerated i was like goodbye because i thought look if i ever did want to write one whatever's important i'll remember mm-hmm if I don't remember it, it wasn't that important. So is there anything you'd do differently if you had to do it again? I mean, it was not fun because it was just me alone and three floors of stuff. But I did have a couple of people helping me. I mean, I would definitely say I would do that again, you know, is is have people helping you through the entire process so they're aware of what they're doing. Um, what would I do differently? I mean, just have more physical help, you know, mm-hmm. because it was exhausting doing all that by myself. You know, I might have, if I thought about it, started selling stuff earlier, you know. I mean, that would have been good because I, I gave away so much stuff just because I didn't have time to sell it. And I would put it up on the marketplace and everything. And people go, what, you know, what, what, what's the measurements on this? And then you tell them and they go, does it do that? You know, it's like, oh my God, I can't go back and forth with this. Do you want it or not? It's like, the thing is normally $150. I'm selling it for 15. What do you want more? Do you want to know? <laughs> Just take it. So, so, so maybe you do it sooner. I would definitely, if it, this is the thing, is that if, for all the people listening that aren't in the middle of a move or about to move, if you can just give yourself this plan geared on purely the vision of creating this beautiful space that you want, and then you systematically sell this stuff, you know, or donate it. Like I had a whole bunch of stuff ready for donation. And the donation time that they came to pick it up was in the middle of the blizzard. Mm, Oh my gosh, yes. And they said everything has to be by the curb because they won't come in the house anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my handyman guy that was doing all the physical labor, he refused to put it by the curb because it's snowing. It's going to get covered. I said they they won't pick it up. They said they won't. Oh, they'll pick it up. They'll pick it up. So he had it all on the porch and they didn't pick any of it up. So it was like, I wish that, and most of that stuff got thrown out then. 
you know, and I, I really wish it could have been donated. So I would say start donating now. You know, start with the stuff you really don't have hardly any attachment to. But you know what's been kind of fun, and I was thinking of doing a post about this, is that some of the people that bought or, you know, accepted, you know, my gift of these items have sent me pictures of them in their new their new homes. Ah. And it's really wonderful to see. It's exciting. You know, I had this beautiful set of chairs that I had painted that, again, I these must come with me. There were six chairs that were all painted a different pastel color, and they're really beautiful. And, um, you know, I had upcycled them. And I brought them here, but they took up so much room. And it was like, oh, I can't. I just can't. You know, I love them so much. But I put them up there. And this woman that actually lived down the street from me in my old neighborhood bought them. And she sent me a picture of them in their living room. And they look so beautiful. Oh. And that made me feel so much better. And my uh, another friend of mine, I, she, I had bags and bags of silk flowers because I used to put silk flowers all around my backyard because <laughs> I, I don't like when things die. So I would mix them in with, with nature and no one oh, would geez. be the wiser. <laughs> it started when I had like in a, uh, a backyard in New York that what never got any sunlight. And so I, you know, all the flowers would die all the time and it was <laughs> depressing. So a friend of mine who, who did design said, Oh, just put in some silk ones. And I was like, outside? She said, oh, yeah, we do it all the time for restaurants and stuff. And <laughs> it was real stuff, and no one knows the difference. And it's true. If you have, like, a, a green, you know, plant that just has a lot of leaves, and then you stick in a couple of flowers, you know, it looks like it's real. If they're good ones, you know. Yeah, that's the key, right? They have to be. Yeah. They have to be good quality. But that's really nice. So having that, it maybe also helps knowing that it's going somewhere nice and um, helping somebody else that they are enjoying it, you know? Yeah. So one, well, I have two questions left. One of them is related to mindset. Mm -hmm. Clearly you knew you wanted to do this, but this was a big deal for one person to handle and, you know, downsizing and reorganizing is hard anyway, but when you're moving from anywhere to New York City, I think there's a whole nother level of complication there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you not get stuck in your head? How did you move through the fear and overwhelm? Actually, now that I'm speaking this, I think you kind of talked about that, but can you, can you just chat around that a little bit? Because I think we can apply that learning to anything. I think... I'm lucky in that I draw Mm -hmm. and I draw everything before I do it. I even would be, when I first started acting, I hadn't taken any acting classes. I would draw my character before I acted it, but I would just draw over and over again what I wanted to have. Now, since then, I've been talking to some friends and they go, oh, I, I do a vision board. And I go, well, that's mm-hmm. kind of like what I guess my drawing is, you know, it's just drawing it over and over. But I did do the vision board at her request because I was having such a tough time getting real estate people to show me places. Like I couldn't even get past that level. And I was like, this is crazy. You know, I have everything lined up, all the financials, all, all this ready, and no one will show me anything. And I was like, what is going wrong? So um, she said, you need to do a vision board. So I 
did a vision board and took pictures of, uh, found on the internet, you know, pictures of air, places that I liked in the city, you know, that um, I always had a good feeling about and everything. And I started to create something with that. And the funniest thing, and I did a post about this a couple of weeks ago, is one of these early morning walks that I did where I just got out and started walking, I ended up in front of the Hungarian pastry shop, which is a really cool place across from uh, St. John the Divine Cathedral. And I always liked it there and imagined being in there. And it was about to open. I was shocked that, you know, they allowed people to come in. Uh, You know, it was only a couple of people allowed in and they had tables outside. So I waited till they opened. I went in and They said, do you want this to go? And I said, oh, you mean I could actually sit in here? And so they said, yeah, anywhere you want. So I did. I sat down and I took a picture of my food. And after I took the picture later on, I looked at it and I thought, this is exactly one of my vision board pictures. It wasn't the food itself, but it was the angle from inside the, the Hungarian pastry shop. Yeah. And I put it right next to it. And I was like, holy moly. Ah, that works. So, so, <laughs> so you were setting up your intention, like you got it way out there when it was complete. Yeah. And then the action, the little baby steps were getting you closer and closer to that. Yeah. And it happened that way when I very first moved to New York, I kept like drawing this apartment I wanted and it was a little studio and, but it was from above. And I finally found this little studio and I, I had a loft bed built. And the first day I went up in the loft bed and looked down and went, oh my God, this is the angle I used to draw everything from. Ah. So it's like maybe a subconscious thing that, you know, your mind starts to make decisions. I'm not woo woo. And you know that Uh I always think a lot of this stuff has to do with either subconscious decisions Mm-hmm. You know, it's not so much that the world just changes for you. You know, it's that you make decisions along yep. the way that then move you towards that thing. Totally. Totally. Okay. So I asked you this question last time, but now with the benefit of this experience, Franny, mm-hmm. what do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is? Well, I've been, um, studying the the way I create systems, because that's the second half of all this, like how I set up my world, you know, and it's very important to me. And in working with my friends on it too, I see something that they do that gets in their way. And I think this is where, this is the crux. And what it is, is you are not wrong. You have to keep saying that. You're not wrong. You just need to find the system that's going to work for you and your brain. And it may not even be one system. Like you may come up with one and it works for a while and then it stops working. But you're not wrong. We've been living in a world where it's created by neurotypical brains, you know, who like things to be a certain way. And that's what we tried to do it that way. And then we failed and then we feel wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now, you know, when somebody else comes along and says, look, I'm going to help you create these systems, they go, oh, no, no, you know, because they, they they foresee it coming, you know, that they're going to be wrong. And that's the thing that I think I've always been very lucky with is I figured this out early on, that it's really creating the surroundings to work for me, not that I have to adapt to the surroundings. 
you know, and especially when it's your own home. You know, there's a way to create some systems that you can take outside. But like, you know, I posted the thing. I, I always talk about everybody complains about losing their keys. And I say, I never lose my keys. I haven't lost my keys in like, well, actually, I did lose them once because this system broke one time. <laughs> but I have those keychain things where uh, it's an extension. Like, you know, you, you have the key on it, and then when you go to use it, you pull it out, and it extends like a couple mm-hmm. of feet, right? Mm-hmm. And they're attached to each one of my purses that I use. I don't use a lot of different purses. And I never take it off, ever. So I never lose my keys and I always have them with me. And the day I lost them was the day the keychain broke. <laughs> <laughs> and I left it at the counter at, at the supermarket. I mean, that's how what my brain would have done, you know. But because of this, I always have keys with me and I am never locked out. And it's attractive. I find I get them on Amazon. I buy tons of them. Mm-hmm. Because when mm-hmm. I had the Airbnb, I used to force them on my guests because they were always <laughs> losing their keys. And I was like, just attach this to your 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 you know bag that you carry. You know, believe me, it'll work. Don't take it off ever. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, Fran, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. So. Where can people find you if they want to know more about you and what you do? Well, I just created um, a page on uh, Facebook called Simple Systems for Creative Minds. I have a group called that, but I haven't really been active in it. And so I thought maybe a page would be better. But you could always post there or uh, message me through Facebook. What's the URL of the page that you've created? I think it's actually facebook.com dash simple systems for creative minds. Okay. It's the full, it's the full You thing. know what? You're going to get me the URL and I will have it in the show notes. Okay. Okay. I'm just to make sure. sure. Let me look. I'm, I'm in it now. So I will just look at it. Yeah. It's facebook.com slash simple systems for creative minds. Sounds wonderful. Okay, Fran. Well, thank you again so much. Well, thank you. It's always fun talking to you and it always helps me clarify things when I talk to you and you ask good questions. Oh, well, thank you. So that's what I have for you for this week. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. If you like this episode with Fran, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they can discover their amazing strengths. And your reviews, they really do help in that regard. One more thing. If you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com forward slash podcast and leave me an audio message there. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smart-ass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. 
Join us at TracyOtsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.